Hey, I want to invite you guys, if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoying this content and are passionate about protection, you should know that we have an entire library of all of the protector symposiums that we've ever done uh, hosted at protectornation.com. You can go there and you can download those and you can watch every protector symposium we've had to date there online and you can learn protection tactics from the most, some of the most elite trainers in the world from the comfort of your own home. I think you'll be surprised about how much content we actually have there. Uh, It's very, very, very reasonably priced and you can upgrade your protection skills. Remember, protection is not all about the hard skills. 90% of it is all about the software, the programming, the way you see and move in the world to achieve a safer pattern of life. With that having been said, go to protectornation.com, join us there, learn from the best of the best. Now, enjoy the show. Boom, hello and welcome to the Protector Nation podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place, making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous. In this podcast, we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect, to protect your family, to protect your loved ones, because we all know that you have a few basic needs, food, water, and shelter, but you also have the need to protect those things in a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked. Learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. Boom, what's going on, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Protector Nation podcast. This episode is something I find to be, honestly, one of the most righteous battles for protectors these days. As a professional protector, I protect people that hire me. Um, I put teams around families and different things like that. And I'm really passionate about training people um, to be able to protect themselves. But there's a demographic of people that can't protect themselves. And uh, I've got Landon Starbuck here, who's been fighting for them um, in some powerful, powerful ways. Her content is amazing. Uh, if you guys have uh, need to follow her on Instagram and all that stuff, she's really making a difference and it's an honor. Welcome. Thank you so much, Byron. It's an honor to be on here and uh, you do incredible work. So just thank you so much for having me on. Heck yeah. No, thank you so much. That means a lot. So one of the things that I always, I find inspirational is, you know, I spent a lot of my life uh, trying to be a strong, like formidable man, you know, and so there are ways I can protect that others can't. Protection has, I mean, it really is, I think, a very organic function, even in the feminine, like, um, you know, our women and children are with our kids when we're away. Uh, This morning, there was a lot of content about a girl that um, was attacked in a gym. But I love seeing women also protect and like be warriors in another way, you know, and you being able to influence so many and mobilize so many um, in this battle against human trafficking and child mutilation. uh, That's being such a warrior. So that's that's amazing to me. How do you feel about that? Thank you. I mean, 
I, I feel the same way. Um, I think in many ways, what allows me to step fully into this role um, is that I have an amazing husband that supports me and he's my warrior. I mean, he leads our family and he um, is is my rock, you know, when I, I need support and I need to uh, feel safe in doing what I'm doing. Um, so I, I see everything we do as a team because without him, I'm not sure I would be able to do the work I do and step into situations that are, are truly dangerous or threatening. Um, you know, him and my faith are, are, are what propels me to be able to do the, the work that I do. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think people should really understand that, you know, I, I couldn't do the things that I am able to achieve without my wife as well. Uh, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And so beautiful when it works. You know, I think the way it was intended, you know, by the grace of God. Yes. Absolutely. Because when I come home, you know, I'm not in warrior mode. I, I don't have to to do that. I get to just be at ease and let my husband lead and, you know, be there with my kids and just get to love and put down the armor. And and that's, I think, such a beautiful balance uh, that we complement each other and um, support each other and, in, in, you know, our roles. Right. So naturally. So that's awesome. Let's get into kind of this whole Human trafficking, real quick, just to kind of get everyone's attention. How big is this 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 epidemic that we're seeing in the world? Uh, it's a huge epidemic. I mean, it's a global epidemic. What I try to focus on is America. I'm American, and the epidemic is also here. The demand for child exploitation content is here. Um, and we have some of the greatest demand to exploit and abuse children happening right here in America. Um, and the demand is so high. I mean, we're talking human trafficking is a $150 billion industry. I mean, that's more than Nike, Target, um, all of these huge corporations combined. And so when when we can wrap our head around that, we have to understand, you know, this is something that isn't going away and it has to be addressed. So how do we address it effectively is the question. And I chose to specifically focus on children. They're the most vulnerable. And that's where I felt God was um, leading me to focus on. And what's happening to kids, many people don't realize, they think just sex trafficking of, you know, older women and things of that nature. But really the greatest demand um, we're seeing uh, is affecting the most vulnerable children. And we just uh, got these recent numbers from NICMEC, the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, and over 32 million reports of suspected child sexual abuse material, also known as child pornography. I mean, that is an epic proportion figure we're talking about. Million. Yes. Wow. 42 million reports. Thir 32. 32 million. million yes. Reports. And this and that skyrocketing. And it's skyrocketing, I'm sure, because it's yes. so much easier to kind of fall into darkness than what about and you said it was bigger than Target, Walmart, these huge yes. companies that we. Wow. Right. Yeah. The revenue that they're generating and the demand um, to exploit people. That's really where where the work lies is addressing demand. Um, and we have to figure out what are the things that drive the demand? What kind of behaviors are we participating in, normalizing, condoning that increase the demand, right? When we watch a Coca-Cola commercial, it makes us want to go grab a fresh cold Coke. Right. It's the same thing with the mere exposure effect. The more children are sexualized in television, films, music, the more we accept them being sexualized. And right. so we have to understand how even we've all participated in some degree 
to that normalization process and we haven't responded in the way that we should in addressing it and stopping it at its root before it's been able to take hold and create a demand. You know, pornography is one of the biggest risk factors in, in creating the demand. And that's something that, you know, I talk about regularly. And that's something that many men, I'd say the majority of men have at one point or another partaken in and now an increasing amount of women and now children are even partaking in pornography and having user-generated, child-generated CSAM. So that's something that we're also seeing astronomical numbers in. Wow. Okay, so what are... Hold on. There's so much coming at me. (laughs) User-generated CSAM. Let's go Mm -hmm. into that real quick. And then the other question was, what are some passive ways that people might be like aiding, abetting, supporting in, in kind of the normalization of this. Right. CSAM. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. So it, it, it's, it's a lot to take in. I mean, um, because it is a multifaceted approach. There's not just one thing that we can do. Um, you know, user generated CSAM is where a, a child or an adult um, objectifies themselves, uploads that content on, onto the internet or shares it with somebody what they think is in private. But we know that nothing's private on the internet anymore. Once you upload a photo, anybody can access it. You lose your phone, somebody can access it. Twitter can access it. Um, right. So once that image is there, that is what is increasing the rates of trafficking and exploitation. But also it's it, we have children now doing it to themselves, participating in themselves. Something shifted there where that was not a normal thing 10 years ago, you know, right. it was a normal thing to have pornographic books in our school libraries and in our communities. It wasn't a normal thing to have these adult performance entertainers coming and exposing themselves to children. Mm-hmm. So what changed in our society? So and and the other question you asked, uh, you know, what are some, I guess, things that we can do right, well, right ways, out of the gate? Like, yeah, like ways like it's a mortifying thought to me to think that maybe something that I'm accepting Um, Mm -hmm. not standing against or even doing could be like supporting this type of horrific activity. So is there anything that like the normal person is maybe, is it like buying Balenciaga shoes Um, or is there anything like that? (laughs) 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 Yes, exactly. I mean, don't support any institution, corporation, education system, any of those things that is fueling the demand. And and how do we know if it's touching that? Well, let's look at um, you know the biggest risk factor: pornography. The right. biggest you know entity, the big porn lobby. There's no user required age or consent verification mechanism. That means that Pornhub, the most trafficked trafficked website, um, bigger than Amazon, I believe at this point, you know, with so many millions of users around the globe using it, they have hosted non consensual rape videos of not just women, but children. And when you have a a big corporation allowed to do that and no one stops them, you're going to see an uptick in all of that. You're going to see a reduction in reporting because why would people report when it's not even, you can't even get it taken down and they're still allowed to continue profiting off it. And companies like Visa and MasterCard can monetize it, take out ad space on it. That is the scope of what we're dealing with. So when we watch porn, That is what we are supporting. We are enabling these evil, monstrous organizations to continue profiting off of rape. Mm. Wow, that's awesome. That's good to know. And I think it's really important for good people now to realize it. Like, 
you have to, I feel like there's another election going on. There are more controls to our world than just like who's the elected officials, right? And one of them, I think, is really big business, you know, like whether something's voted in or not, if big business is told or decides to go high into the left, guess what? Everyone's going to probably have to do it, you know, and I think it's really important for us now to focus on voting with our dollars and our attention, you know, and what we actually give like likes and follows and screen time to and what we actually and give our money to is starting to matter more now than ever, especially. based Absolutely. On- and that's such a good point because sometimes we make these concessions with ourselves. We'll say, well, there's a really, you know, sexually explicit grooming type of a show on Disney, but I guess the rest of the shows aren't on that. So I won't cancel my Disney plus because it's not convenient. And so that's what we have. Those are the humps we have to get over of how we are contributing unconsciously to creating that demand and keeping that business thriving. Um, so Netflix, even, you know, they had that film cuties, which sexualized children, um, have, having them, you know, twerk and do all these sorts of things. And they went into these, you know, poor communities to do these casting calls where they had lines of girls twerking for the director and the casting director. I mean, that is what we're supporting when we say that that's okay. And we make little excuses for these people. Um, that is what has to change with our voting with our dollar. You couldn't have said it better. Right. And I don't and and even our attention, because, you know, being a social media guy, things that are liked and things that are watched, those things get more reach. Right. So playing with those algorithms as well, like if something's not on brand, like I've been just chopping things <laughs> up lately, I'm like gone, gone, distraction, gone, gone, you know. Right. So, you yes. know, things to keep in mind, I um. I was going to say something on that as well, like ah, uh, to kind of get into. I mean, I don't know, man. I, 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 I know that my heavenly father drives my moral compass, right? But I feel like you, even whether you're a Christian or kind of whatever, I feel like there's a level of discernment and like, like rightness that most people should have that should just make you furious. You know, I have no problem hating these things because I, you know, I want to hate what God hates and. Mm-hmm. There's some some verses in there about if you were to harm one of these little ones, you know, that I'll let you go. Let's go yes. look up. But um, it's it's something that I it breaks my heart for the state people must be in to take their children to expose them to anything sexual, let alone a, a, a person dancing with no clothing on or or with, you know, private parts being accentuated anywhere near their presence. And I hope to dear God, I never find myself in a position like lead me not into temptation where some dude tries to walk in the bathroom with my little girl ever. I hope it never happens because I'm going to walk in the bathroom and then it's going to be like, like a Godzilla movie, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want it to be like that, you know, God bless. But I, I, I feel like this should be like this whole passive allowing of evil to victimize people is actually the primary problem. It is. A problem. I couldn't agree more. I think it's actually more of a threat than the people that are, you know, the purveyors of this. Because, I mean, what's the point of being moral, of, of saying we're Christians or following this higher moral calling and authority if we are afraid to stand up and defend it? And right. there's been this like gospel of tolerance. Uh, and and when you're tolerant of evil, that's not honoring or loving God or your neighbor. 
It's yeah. it's it's making uh, you know a partnership with lies and deception and manipulations and, and children are the, are sacrificed at that altar. Yep. You know they're the ones being targeted the most right now in this war on children. So it, it, it's we have power to stand up to say no. We have choices, yeah. and we really need a mass awakening uh, of parents of mm-hmm. people engaged on this issue and understanding there's no turning back if we don't engage now. Right. It, honestly, like it's it'll gain too much momentum, um, and it's it's um, it's easier to pull someone down into a pit. So these types of problems are like they're like viral. They can become viral to people that are not um, prepared to deal with them, that don't have that moral compass, that don't have any reason. Um, but the other thing I want to make sure, and I and I want to say here, is that in my opinion, to become passive and not confront evil. To allow it to happen is evil. <laughs> like, it is. like it is, it e- is. That's evil. Like I can be accepting. I'm accept. I can, but I'm not going to allow some evil someone to get beat in front of me that's not supposed to. I'm not going to allow someone who can't defend themselves. Um, I'm here. Good people are on the planet to stand between evil and the innocent. And if anything good's going to happen, it's going to be up to us. So. Have those conversations. You know, if your family members are doing weird stuff or whoever's doing weird, just tell them like, no, I don't think you should be taking your kid to that show. I just don't think you should. <laughs> you know, and, Absolutely. Yes, 100 percent. I mean, perhaps maybe the measure of a moral person or Christian yeah. is isn't so much how tolerant and loving you are to others or appearance of that, but how willing you are to make your own risks and sacrifice to stand up for what is right. Right. You know, maybe that's the the paradigm that has to shift. Absolutely. Um, real quick, let's talk about TEDx. So you gave this <laughs> presentation. Like, how did this yes. happen in real life? Like, how did this go down? What was the presentation, the title again? So it was Stopping the Epidemic of Child Trafficking and Exploitation in America. And for people who don't know about the TEDx process, it's a very involved process. You don't just get asked to do a talk and then you just show up and do your talk. There is a months long process of many drafts, many, you know, you have to work with one of their coaches um, to make sure that everything is TEDx worthy, which is just like screen the way they want it right in their private, you know, organization, you know, that's fine. Um, But everything was according to their, you know, we made a lot of edits. I wasn't really allowed to talk about the child trafficking at the border uh, because that was too political. So I made all these concessions in that talk of things that I would avoid uh, so as not to offend their their landscape of how they they want to do their talks. Never mind the fact that they've had many speakers openly talk about abortion rights on their stage, and that's not deemed political. But if you talk about the border and trafficking there, that is, you can't talk about that. So there was all these rules but I follow the rules because I felt like the platform and the message was important and I could do it in such a way to touch people's hearts and truly give them good information. Mm-hmm. And I cited all of my sources, which I can, you know, I there's nothing I'm making up that is not factual or supported. And so the whole talk was amazing. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, uh, had worked very hard months to do this, got a standing ovation. I had people crying it was God moved in that moment. It wasn't just me. God moved. He took my talk. He took the information and he touched people's hearts with it. And that whole theater was standing and clapping. And not that that's a metric of, you know, how well I did, but they were moved. They were moved to action. And 
And months later, I noticed that my talk hadn't been posted yet. And I started, you know, figuring out what, where's my talk? What's going on? And all the other speakers that, you know, were a part of that event, they, their talks were up and I'm going, what is going on here? Why is my talk taking so long? And there was a little bit of back and forth saying, um, oh, it was flagged, it was flagged, just wait a little bit longer. And then, yeah. You know, when all is said and done, to make a long story short, they said I violated political or inflammatory, one of the other, maybe both, I don't know, uh, of their guidelines. They wouldn't cite what part. I offered to edit it out if they could identify what part was problematic. They wouldn't tell me. They wouldn't respond. They just took the talk down off the website. So now it's available at a private link on my um, link tree on my social. So I would encourage people to check it out because when you watch this talk, we're in a we're in a pretty dangerous place if this talk is offensive to anyone to anyone <laughs> yeah and 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 it, and we care like and we actually care you know like yes. 100% that's amazing to me that that happened i definitely wanted to talk about that cuz i want people to go to the link that will be in the bio uh to go on ahead and check that out and then pass it around you know yeah, check out my band ted talk right here <laughs> yeah i know take it around like contraband um no that's awesome so I guess bringing this whole thing kind of home, who does the who who does this impact? Are these just, you know, poor kids? And then actually, let's go into like what can parents do? What could should parents be looking out for? You know, I know there's so many people in my line of work that just don't think anything bad can happen or will happen. And uh and they're the best victims. So yeah. what would you say to kind of the parents and and how does this find its way into other people's lives that don't expect it? Right. So let me take a little bit of a zoom out approach. So this is a business, illicit trade. There's a supply and demand. All right. We talked about the demand a lot earlier. Now let's talk about the supply. We have a, a steady supply of vulnerable children um, to exploit. And if that supply wasn't there, you know, if there was a strong father in every home saying, no, you don't get a smartphone before you're, you know, equipped enough to use it. Um, right. No, you don't, you cannot go with strangers. No, you will not have some random person picking you up. I'm involved. I'm, I'm, I have a strong connection with you. And that family unit is, is tight and connected. Yeah. That child is no longer vulnerable. And right. so the more vulnerabilities you have, the more at risk a child is. And we can talk about those vulnerabilities, but that's the problem is that we have so many children with so many vulnerabilities and some of them are more organic vulnerabilities like poverty, um, addiction in the home, broken homes, um, yeah. having early access to internet and pornography and those grooming types of materials, not having a strong parent-child connection. Those are huge vulnerable factors. But yeah. then you, you, know, you have the aspect of of also the vulnerabilities, um, they're synthetic. You know, when you have a, a child who might just be going through normal teenagehood and, and struggling with their identity, instead of getting them help and support and mental health care, they're having an educators and, and activists and even counselors at school yeah. convince them that maybe they don't fit in because they're not the right gender. So then they get put on dangerous drugs and hormones that alter their chemical state, that increase their chances of anxiety, of depression, that actually instruct them to go online and talk to adults that have not been vetted. They're not therapists or anything like that on, on websites. And then you have books, pornographic material, grooming children in schools, teaching children to go online to Grindr, uh, which is a gay sex website. So those vulnerabilities are synthetically being exacerbated when we already have organic vulnerabilities like yes. poverty and addiction and, and mental health uh, issues. So yeah. that is why this, this is just exploded as people have to understand you look at a child today and they're staring at their phone. Yeah. I mean, the vulnerabilities 
are have increased so much. Mm. That's interesting, uh, but it's good to know. So essentially, and one of the things that I've kind of pretty much decided is I'm gonna I'm gonna protect my kids. Like they're oh, you're gonna shelter your children. Dude, I'm going to lay a foundation of values. I'm going to make sure that my kid, when they come in contact with the world, which I actually don't like to talk about too much online, but this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. But like when they come in contact with the world and who they are starts being challenged, they need to have a foundation, you know, and um, yes, it's going to take a community and all these things and I'll find that right community. But like, I just, I know that the family unit is, so under attack and that's kind of i think where this whole battle sounds like with a lot of these factors you mentioned so much of it comes down to you know is mama bear there is the father there is he protecting and and providing um and things you don't get from your home you're going to go search out you know i my dad was in the bahamas so you know i looked for uh belonging and i went to uh fortunately started playing football you know, and didn't end up in a gang or doing anything else crazy, uh, which kept me out of drugs and got me to the Marine Corps. So lots of risk factors in culture, embedded in culture. Now, Disney feels like they need to educate our kids about sex. <laughs> like, yes. So we have to be the conscious protectors of the information coming at our kids. Absolutely. And, and you said it the best is laying that strong foundation. And yeah. part of that is, is training them up the way they should go, equipping them. So that means we would never send our kids to um, pedophile meetup night at a bowling alley. So why are we doing it online by giving them access, you know, unfettered access to social media platforms that yeah. have absolutely no prerogative to protect our children? They lie. Yeah. They exploit children's data. They curate their feeds to increase the rates of depression, suicide, anxiety, bulimia, yeah. eating disorders, and porn and predators are all over it. So right. that's a choice we're making, you know, to, to expose them to that. And not, and before they are equipped, that's the that's the other part of it is people accuse us of sheltering our children. Yeah. Children were always supposed to be protected until they were equipped. You would You're not right. send a child to go hunt a lion when they don't right. know how to use a bow or a gun. 100%. I mean, it's the same concept. And so these very, you know, fundamental non-negotiables of what it means to protect children and vulnerable are being challenged because of this moral relativism of right. anything goes. And, yeah. and that's what we have to firmly reject. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think um, if you're going to have values and if you're going to have a moral compass, you just have to accept the fact that you're just going to have to be that person at the dinner party from time to time. And it's got to be fine with you. And mm-hmm. everyone behind you is depending on you to be that. And so I think... Yes. It's something you just have to accept. It's going to be, it's, and and then I'm going to equip my kids. I'm going to let them know, hey, we just don't do that around here because we're <laughs> this kind of people. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and then try to live a life that when your kid looks at you versus the other people, they're like, you know what? My mom and dad are pretty respectable. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, like, absolutely. You know, they might absolutely. make me angry. I because I can't go to the the swinger slash whatever Decepticon yeah. party they're having over there. But <laughs> you know, I right. can, that's yes, amazing. absolutely. Sounds simple, but wisdom is all often sounds simple, but is also difficult, right? Right. Um, yeah. Let's get into this whole uh child mutilation thing a little bit. You know, it's 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 definitely sad. And once again, I feel like uh demographic that's not does 
doesn't have the software to really defend themselves against these ideas, you know, are, are being pre presented with all these ideas. It's frustrating to me because I come from two different demographics that kind of I've seen this same type of work wreak havoc. I'm a black man. So like, I'm supposed to be like a victim and stuff, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm like super not, you know, like <laughs> super, super blessed and not like black dude, you know, on, joined the military, enlisted entrepreneur, you know, by the grace of God, I'm living the life of my dreams in this country. Just want to inspire other ones to say, hey, man, if you can see what I see, do what I do, you can have what I have by the grace of God, work hard. Nothing's going to stop you except yourself in this life. And that's beautiful and very kind of scary. So like get after it, right? Uh, veteran. But if I say that online, I get wrecked because now I'm an Uncle Tom and I'm whitewashed and I was actually told and I lose my black card and, and I'm a victim of racism that doesn't realize he's a victim of racism. Veteran demographic, you know, I'm supposed to have PTSD and poor me, right? And so now I'm seeing them target these kids and I'm just like, these are things that these kids are doing that they can't take back. Like, <clears throat> so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, these are modern day Men Mengelian experiments. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And when, when people really look at the science, the studies that they use to justify this, which they're, you know, convenient sampling type studies um, that don't follow the long-term effects because there are no, no long-term studies. Uh, these drugs have been used off-label. They sterilize children. They chemically castrate children. Um, they ruin their future sexual dysfunction. Um, and they actually, actually this process sexualizes children because um, how can a child who doesn't even have a sense of identity developed, let alone sexuality, make a decision, a lifelong decision about the ramifications that will affect their sexuality. Yeah. So, you know, you're putting a child and also a place to consent. And this is really alarming. So Washington state and recently the uh, mm -hmm. Minnesota family council just reached out to me to help push this information out. They have a bill that is likely to get passed because it got passed in Washington that will criminalize parents who refuse to affirm their child's gender identity. So basically, if a, if a parent not only refuses to use their pronouns and all of that, but refuses to get them health care or mental health care and put them on the fast track to hormones and surgeries, then you're now a negligent, dangerous parent. And this is only going to be echoed by the education institutions because they've redefined these terms of what is safe and what is neglect and dangerous. They've just they don't even have to change laws in a lot of these cases. Um, and so that's why we, we fight this really uh, um, ferociously in Tennessee. And we're so close. We're about two weeks out from child mutilation, puberty blockers and hormones from being banned in our state. And it's been relentless activism, a lot of hard work to get to this point. But we're we're going to get here by the grace of God. That's awesome that you guys are fighting it. Um, my initial thoughts are just being a combatant, you know, like being a Marine, being a guy that's like knows how to do war. Like this is just like we're in World War Three, and because no one is shooting at us, no one realizes it. Like they're all I like I see these posts sometimes, dudes with their guns being like, no one could attack America because we got all these guns, you know. And I'm like, homie, homie, America is like like bleeding out, like like it's already, homie. Like, your your 12 year old daughter has an OnlyFans account you don't know about. Know about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And that's like where we're at. And I'm sitting here like on multiple levels, like the child, this, this is one huge, like 
I mean, huge attack, and it's impacting, gonna impact generations and da 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 da, demoralizing so many. But it's like we're in the middle of a war, um, ideological subversion. Like, look it up, guys. Uh, It's a real thing, and they're literally trying to tell you how to run your, telling you they can talk to your kid about sex, how to run your life, what you can and can't do, stealing your kids from you right right in front of you amongst all your other rights um right i heard that you 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 organized the biggest march uh like a huge march before covid around that time for these causes my question is like did it what what was the impact of that and then the follow-on question is like what can people start thinking about doing from like where they're at in this right yeah, I mean, everyday person is like, this is terrible, but like, yes. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started my nonprofit, Freedom Forever, is to give people not just the education, but the activism needed to protect kids in their state. Um, and so we have many different initiatives to give parents those tools. So on an ongoing basis, I would encourage people to sign up, to volunteer, to support us in any way they can so that they can stay connected with us for those important calls to action, not just in Tennessee, nationally. Um, so that is one thing that they can all do. But, you know, like you said, this is an ideological subversion. This is fifth generation warfare. Um, yeah. This is what's happening um, without firing a single shot as America is being taken down little yeah. by little and people don't even realize it. And um, and just like you said, the, the guys with the guns are like waiting for it to come to their front door when it's yeah. already taken their children, the next generation. Yeah. Like they don't see it. you're going to be like waiting to fight the, the, the communists yeah. and your kid is going to like, be the one that's going to stop you from shooting or maybe even attack you or put you in jail because yes. they want sex change and you can't you can't say no because you're going to be yes. a criminal. Yes, know? or put you on the government watch list for being a defector. I mean, yeah. the chat GDTP or whatever, I always get the name wrong, yeah. but you know there was a, a, just a recent expo day on that. I mean, they see us as enemies that they want to eliminate. If that's the AI that they're building and we're, we have a tech dependent, addicted generation that trusts big tech and AI because they're enmeshed in that relationship from a young I, first iPad stage, right. they can digitally nudge that behavior in any direction and control people. And that's exactly what they've done with this next generation. So it's not even it, the guns won't come to our door. I'm sure they're trying to take our guns away. But at, at what point, you know, that'll will that even matter? A gun is not going to save your child from gender ideology. And that's what we have to understand is is to be engaged in a different kind of warfare because there is a war going on for sure. Yeah. And it's over values. It's over values. That's what it all, that's what I think everything comes down to. It's like, well, what are your values? That's who your friends are. That's everything you're doing in life. That's everything you're building everything on is what are your values? Like, what do you really stand for? And if there's nothing there, but what comes through the TV, you're done. And if there's no truth inside you, you're going to have no discernment and you're going to be a victim, whether it's the medical attack, whether it's the ideological subversion, whether it's just straight pure pressure happening um, and your kid coming home and being like, Hey dad, I learned this from school. And then you have to stand against it by the grace of God, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I guess, you know, America and all these dreams and these ideas, it comes down to values and and people knowing what they stand for. Absolutely. Our values come from whether people believe or acknowledge God's existence or not. Why is 
rape wrong? Why is pedophilia wrong? It's not because some academic theologian professor said it was. It's because God gave us a clear moral compass. Mm -hmm. And when that's violated, we innately know that, whether we acknowledge him and worship him or not. And that's where all of our values come from. We are born, you know, we're built in his image, born from his image. And the more that we can recognize this is a spiritual war too. And and everything that's happening is an attack on God's design. That's why they've gone after men and removed masculinity. So there's no protectors. That's why they've feminized or gone after women with modern feminism and made them reject their beautiful role of nurturers and protectors and protecting children. Everything has been dismantled because it is a reflection of God's beautiful, perfect design. So that's the, you know, deeper take care for people who want to understand like the depths of this is is good and evil. Yeah. And most people aren't even playing on that level. They're just like, (laughs) you know, and and it's bought, like science is bought and paid for. You can't really buy into what's coming through the mainstream anything anymore. There's like a possible nuclear spill happening in one of the states right now. It's like not even on your television, you know? Um, Yep. There's so much going on, but when it comes to protecting our children, you know, and, and I think what I understood from you is really, it comes down to our values and what we can, what we can get them to also embody, but us, what we embody in front of them, you know, whether we're a full home unit or not, it comes down to trying to get the values into them that can help them have discernment and protect what it is we have here. Are there any other yes. technical security measures that like social media, modern, I don't know, you know, I'm yeah. just think of. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll dig into that too. I was going to say, you know, the value-based activism is, is the hope that we have of how we combat this. Cause it's not enough to, to just pray and, 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 and just say that we have these values and teach them at home. If yeah. we go then send our kids to an indoctrination center, eight hours a day, yeah. we are undermining their own the 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 importance of what we're actually trying to teach because we're telling our children if, with our actions that we'll tell you one thing at home but then we'll do something completely opposite to undermine ourselves yeah. how can you respect a parent that does that yeah how and can a child respect them you know anyone that does that absolutely and it's just i don't know if it's it's just it's not a winning battle you can't yeah teach your kids something at home let them spend most of their time being indoctrinated by culture and curriculum, yes. all of their close relationships and their friends. Like, do you guys, you guys got to remember what it was like to be a kid. Like you love your parents, but your friends are cool. So like mm-hmm. my whole mindset is like, I just don't want to be in competition as much with the world until my kid has some solid software and understanding of self. Yes. What I say about them and what God says about them. Then we can start playing games and you can go test it out, <laughs> come back and ask me questions yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you know, but, exactly. Yes, but absolutely. That, that's 100% it. Yeah, you're going to get a yeah. different kid back at home after school. And I, I watched one of my sisters, right? I'm like, we're like, what happened to you? You know, and she went away and came back a different person, you know? Um, yeah. That's, and sorry, I didn't mean to, to evade your question on, you know, uh-huh. like some of the tactical or some of the visual, uh, you know, risk factors and signs that we can just see that are very obvious when we yeah. pay attention, um, you know, are just vulnerabilities. I mean, we we know that single moms, um, you know, predators uh, really go after single moms because they know that they need help. 
and they like to meet a need. They like to hide in moral environments. So that can be a church, that can be a the drag queen, you know, wherever people are moralizing that they're safe, you know, that they like to hide there, you know. So it's 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 our neighbors, it's people that we know. I mean, most child sexual abuse is committed by a family member or someone that the family trusts. Um, and so knowing that our strategy, what we're looking for has to be different. Um, when we put our kids into daycare environments or with trusted individuals, um, we have to have you know, certain strategy in place to make sure that we're checking in with our kids. So we've taught our kids body safety, that we've taught them what to do in certain situations where their boundaries are being violated and never put them in a situation where you know we haven't equipped them with those things. Um, but looking for um, obvious markers, bruises are obvious, malnourishment, um, dent, poor dental health. You know, these are things that typically uh, affect um, more, you know, economically disparaged communities more. You know, definitely the unaccompanied minors that are coming in, uh, we're seeing that a lot more in that population. Um, and so the at indigenous communities, those are those are things to look out for too. But also things just like um, you know, somebody not being able to make eye contact. All these these things that we once were very in touch with, you know, I feel like our innate nature uh, that God put in us to really feel people and 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 see them and understand that if something doesn't feel right, something's probably not right. Yeah. And instead of listening to the world of just like these these markers and signs that are obvious, really pay attention to our neighbor, pay attention to you know the single, pay attention to what their needs are because maybe we can meet that need so a predator doesn't meet it. And being yeah. more involved in our communities. I really believe in that localism approach. Um, we can't solve trafficking um, in Haiti and we can't solve it in Cambodia. We can solve it in our own backyard where it's happening though. And that is where the church needs to stand up. The communities needs to stand up, you know, our schools and all of that to have mechanisms in place to truly protect children so that they do not become vulnerable and have their vulnerabilities exploited by predators looking for those vulnerabilities, because that is what they're looking for. If we can get to those vulnerabilities before the predators, that is a, a child saved. Wow, that's awesome. Good. I love it. This is good stuff. Um, <laughs> I was like totally like listening to you. I didn't even look at <laughs> Sorry, I just go off on these like, yeah. you know, I just am so passionate about, about this work. And, you know, I want people to know the truth about this. You know, there's, there's yeah. some people that'll say, well, here's some risk management for when you give your kids social media. And the truth is, don't give your kids social media because it's dangerous and they will be subjected to sexually exploitive content, yeah. porn and predators. Let's yeah. change the, the dynamic of thinking here. Mm -hmm. You know, if we know the truth, we can make better decisions as parents. And I believe yeah. in parents that they, if they have that good information, they'll take different actions. Mm -hmm. And well, and the other thing that really scares me about humans and parents and things is just you can only I feel like you can only. Um, inspire or drive um to the level of discipline you have so like if you don't have any discipline if you don't use any chastity when it comes to different things whether it's food your habits what you allow in your eyes and ears and all those different things it's really difficult to be able to actually with any kind of authority or integrity drive those that are following you to do it you know like i run yes. teams i'm i've got to be one of the best shooters when we go shoot otherwise guys are gonna be like yeah I mean, you know, you're the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, these are things that I think we all have to kind of look in the mirror first and be like, hey, you know, like, what am I, I? I see a huge problem when it comes to people's abilities to like discipline their kids 
And then I look in their lives and I'm like, well, you don't have any discipline. Of course you can't discipline your kids. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, yes, 100%. You know, so there's some things to think about there, you know, and we all have our things that we struggle with, but these are important things because our kids are helpless and they literally are depending on us. And these, yes. dis- what we expose them to are accountable. We have to be accountable for I believe that that discipline you're talking about mm-hmm. starts with disciplining the mind with emotional self-regulation. And I think that's one of the most valuable tools we can teach our children and model to our children because the only way all this evil is sticking is because they hijack the the emotional vulnerabilities of children to make them feel not enough. If they can't be made to feel not enough and they know what gender they are and they know whose they are, that can't stick. That can't land. It doesn't resonate with that frequency. And, And so- we, we teach our children, even from a young age, that emotions are just information. Feelings are not fact. You know? <laughs> We're going, yes, yes, yes. Emotions are just information. I'm the same way, man. I watch my emotions. I know my emotions. I understand. But they're like misbehaving children. Okay? They can be so dangerous. They can bring down your entire team. They can get 100%. you killed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know this better than I do. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have to perform nonetheless. And then, you know, what happens is you start making progress. And in my psych, so I have a master's in psychology class um, in psychology. So getting that degree was like a beating, basically, because, you know, like I have these values and I was like in, you know, the belly of the beast when it comes to modern day psychology. So I really had to, like, use a lot of grace and actually learn how to, like, kind of argue things. But anyways, tangent. Mm-hmm. So with all of that having been said, my professor one day was like, Byron, you don't seem like you're buying into what I'm saying about like, you know, like exercising and understanding your patient's emotions and spending all this time dealing with emotions. And I was just like, I don't know, you know. And so I got to give my explanation. She's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, if I feel something, I know what I'm feeling. I understand it, but I don't let it control me. I have it. And then I get into action. I get into massive action. And then once I'm executing, I check back in and usually I feel good because progress usually equals happiness. When you're actually doing something about something, I feel good and then I continue. But I know that how I feel is an option. What I do is truly what matters. I do the right thing scared. I do the right thing sad, but it's the right thing, you know, and that's what really matters. And uh, a couple of the kids in class were like, (laughs) some of the other with their eyes but that's that emotional intelligence i think is one of the most important intelligences for us to have if we're going to succeed yeah if you're easily manipulated you know by emotional manipulation you're easily controlled somebody can make you do anything and behave any way if they can control you emotionally 100 what is your the hardest lesson you've learned during this work Well, I think that's a really perfect segue because um, when I first started this, I was so overcome by the emotion of the the darkness of this world, of knowing um, the real reality of what children face um, is is crippling. It can be emotionally crippling, where to the point where you're so overwhelmed with the evil of it that you just can't even stand to stand up against it because it's so overwhelming. Um, Mm -hmm. We know millions of children are being abused right now. Um, And and for most people, I think that it's a paralyzing fear and it feels too big of a problem. Therefore, we don't engage it. And right. I think that's the hardest lesson I had to learn was that um, I'm only responsible 
for being obedient to God for what he's called me to do. I am not responsible for all of those children. And he sees all the justice and what justice won't be brought on this earth, he sees and will have in heaven. And handing that over to him, that control and that fear allowed me to emotionally disconnect so that I could be the warrior I needed to be. And that doesn't mean I don't care. I emotionally listen and you know survivors stories and voices, but it means that I'm laser focused on solutions and I don't get caught up in the trap of, of hearing horror stories and letting that be down because then I won't be effective. Right. That's so awesome. There's something so special to be like said and known and hopefully It'll inspire others to realize the power of realizing your mission and being able to live towards that and and fight for that. And like I said earlier, when God wants to get something done on this planet, he sends a man, he sends a woman. We got dominion down here. What happens down here is truly up to us. Like we have to be the body of everything good on this planet. And I've been in so many, I've been in dark places and I've seen war and death and mutilation and there were no angels ziplining in kicking in the windows and stopping anything from happening. The only way bad things stopped was people that were willing to do good things or do violence on the behalf of good or stand in the gap, create a rampart against that darkness was people. It, it, it all depends on us. And so I want people to know that and listening to the way that you emotionally navigate the, the weight of this equation is is amazing you know because it is it's so dark and it's heartbreaking and it can be crushing um even for me you know i i know right now i know there's injustice happening right now and i have it's one of the primary drives i have to become powerful mm-hmm. is because i have to become formidable enough to do something and i know that that's in my purpose but that's an amazing mindset i hope that other people will join forces because they'll be inspired by that and they won't look away. Yeah. And I think people are afraid of the power we actually have, the authority we actually have, because stepping into that is a responsibility (laughs) that many people don't want. You know, it's so much easier to depend on the government, depend on other people and to be in that victim mentality because it doesn't require anything of you. It doesn't require risk, sacrifice, effort, any of those things. So it's a choice. I think if people really want to, to, to walk in that full power, it's available to yeah. every one of us. It's just, it is a great responsibility that I think a lot of people are afraid of. Yeah. Responsibility. And it'll require that you kind of, you're going to have to like the form, this version of yourself is going to have to die like a thousand times. Like when you yes. started this journey to who you are now, you know, like I'm sure you've evolved exponentially. Oh my gosh. I, I'm a completely different person, completely wow. in, in so many different ways. And that's a beautiful thing. I think that we are supposed to evolve and grow stronger in our faith, stronger in our convictions and our actions, not stay stagnant. Absolutely. Because that's fear. That's death. Stagnation is death. And I think people know that they're going to have to sacrifice that version of themselves. So they hide out <laughs> and they, and they and like, ah. it's like, no, yes. man, you're not good enough. Like that's yeah. the whole point. This is how you become good enough, you know, do the work. What what's your proudest moment doing this work? My proudest moments, I would say, because um, I don't know if there's just one, is the the conversations nobody will ever hear about that I have with families, survivors, victims um, that we've been able to help. Uh, I mean, there's it's just uh, I get goosebumps just thinking about it because that's how I know that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. 
um, that to hear those, you know, from those people that were helping them or that my actions in some way led to their recovery, restoration, uh, you know, uh, their soul, you know, their salvation. That is so incredibly rewarding. Um, and it's not often that that happens, you know, and so it's, it's, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing when it does, when somebody recognizes, you know, that you played a role in that and they want to express that gratitude. It's extremely humbling. Yeah. That's amazing. I I can only imagine that moment. Uh, it's just, that's the stuff. Yeah. That's the stuff, you know, like that's living. That's the stuff we should all be aspiring to. Um, and for, and those are the moments you feel the most alive. Now your organization, like what exactly do you guys do? What, how exactly do you guys work just for people listening that might want to help and support and, Yes. So we we set out to be an education and activism organization, filling the gaps that other organizations don't want to address or can't address effectively. And so our whole um, philosophy on on everything that we've explained about identifying the problem, explaining it with the supply and demand and what those vulnerabilities are, educating is really important, but also those follow-up actions. So there's initiatives we have, like building a first-of-its-kind United States map database to identify some of the legislative vulnerabilities, like the fact that we don't have mandatory minimums for child pornography possession. We need harsher consequences for predators to actually deter those behaviors, because I know we, you know, many of your viewers watching are aware that pedophiles are just getting let out in droves across America and that some of these restorative justice practices are really just about lenient criminal sentencing. And if we continue on that path, it's only going to further embolden these predators because they know big tech won't hold them accountable. They're so overwhelmed that law enforcement doesn't even have access to what big tech, you know, is facilitating on their sites. Um, So we're not going to get a hold of this problem with that approach of relying on government, relying on just throwing money on the problem or of the approach of the rescue raid model of just rescuing children. I think that's one of the biggest things that makes us different is we're dealing with that root of behavior, of both societally, academically, um, legislatively, to change that route, to, to decrease vulnerabilities, to cut off the demand instead of just rescuing children because that doesn't solve the problem. Hmm. That's good to know because I'm finna rescue some kids. <laughs> and that's amazing. And I right. love all the people we partner with that yeah. do amazing work rescuing, but even they know yeah, they don't want to rescue children. We don't want more children to rescue, mm. but as long as that's the model of just finding children to rescue and not stopping the hemorrhaging of mm. all the children that need to yeah. be rescued, this problem is never going to end. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. So you guys attack that um, yes. by educating people and Giving them actions. Yes. We also do crisis intervention. So people that need help, um, in some cases, the National Human Trafficking Hotline has not been able to help or assist a lot of people in crisis or weren't available to answer their their phone or their chat request. Um, And these are these are institutions that get millions of dollars in funding. And even on a state level, I mean, our our uh, our DCF, Department of Children and Family Services, they have children sleeping on the floor in some of their offices in Nashville. You know, there's so many issues that need our engagement and we have the path. We have the roadmap. We just need people to engage and help us get there. Wow. Awesome. Well, hopefully this gets helps you guys get out there. And you've always got my support. If there's anything I can do uh, to support. I like I said, this is in my I, I've, I've never had to really wonder what I'm going to do with my life. It God's always kind of told me like, hey, this is where we're going. We're going to do the thing. Um And so this is definitely my path, you know, contributing to this war. So um, 
That's amazing. A few closing questions real quick. Let's see your favorite quote, mantra. Uh, probably my favorite Bible verse, Ephesians 6, 11, you know, put on the full armor of God so you can withstand the temptations of the enemy. I mean, it goes on and on about the whole breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. I just love the visual depiction of that because, you know, I, I'm a visual person, but it just helps me understand that going into any battle and we all face battles every single day, if we do yeah. not equip and protect ourselves, we are going to fall into temptation, into the enemy schemes, or maybe just not listen to the voice of God that's trying to guide us, the Holy Spirit trying to guide our, our, in, our and intervene and show us which way we can go. Yeah. We have that favor. And so if we're not connected to it, we're just like, hand, you know, throwing our ARs on the floor and just wanting to go into a gunfight with our fists. You know, yeah. we're not showing up fully. So that is something that is so powerful is, is strategically, you know, latching onto a verse that resonates for you to go into battle to protect yourself. And prayer is such a powerful weapon. Yeah. I feel like I should reinforce that for anyone listening that like thinks I'm cool. Like really, <laughs> you know, and and honestly, it's kind of it's a superpower, you know, like I've become kind of cool in some areas, maybe, you know, but I start I've never had anything but but God, you know, like Jesus raised me, the Holy Spirit raised me. Like I I didn't have a dad really, you know, so I had to you know, be like, father, like, how am I going to eat and do these things? And like, you know, so uh, what she's saying is 100% correct. And the compass for my life, like joining the Marine Corps. And like, if you looked at my life and watched how I've always been alone with me and like the Holy Spirit, I've built a relationship. I saved my entire family's life when I was five years old, because a voice, the Holy Spirit literally told me, get up and go lock your sister, like go in the, your parents' room and lock the door. And then broke in to assassinate my father later on that night. But I just happened to listen to this voice, just so happened, <laughs> went in bed, locked the door, locked us all in the room so my dad could get up and defend us. Um, otherwise, I'd have been sleeping on the couch with my sister. But, um, you know, you know, when I got blown up in Iraq and and had an out-of-body experience, I prayed and, and asked Jesus for a chance to come back. It's the reason I'm here, you know, and and then I've seen in my life as I've listened, there's been a struggle and then boom, and then boom, you know. And so what she's saying is correct. You know, living life with the Holy Spirit is like having a superpower. Being able to put on the full armor of God is such a big issue now as deception has been becoming just so much more and more like perfected really through technology right, right. and AI and um, tech, everything being so interwoven into like our lives and our families. If you do not have the spirit of discernment right now in this world, you will be deceived. And that's not where I want any of you to, to, to ever be. I'd rather die than be deceived. So that's what this episode is really about. It's about understanding, you know, like how to protect our families, how to protect our children. And it may, it may be kind of hard for people to think about, but the reality is ultimately so much of that comes from our values and who we serve and understanding those things. I even wish it was a different answer kind of because it would be easier for some of you guys, but you know, like the reality is this is the reality. And, and it honestly is what we're doing here on this planet to fight this war right. and evil so super that's awesome. right if there's no if there's no right and wrong right then then again like i go back to this extreme example of pedophilia why is it wrong because you then nothing is right or wrong and that's like all of this 
very new agey rhetoric and, and even coming from academia and the whole self-help movement is like, there's no right or wrong. It's there like, uh, yeah, there is a right or wrong. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> there right. is. You can call it whatever you want. You don't have yeah. to say you believe in Jesus, but there's a right or wrong. And if somebody's right. convincing of you of that, you know, where, where do you think, what path does that lead you to? Right. So it, it's, you know, we, we definitely want to look at, I mean, it doesn't well, serve us to tell people, you know, to, that they have this gift, you know, waiting for them if they want it. Right. And, 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 and on the other side of things, there's a big, big problem with the whole do as thou wilt, which by the way, is the first uh, command of the Luciferian kind of 10 commandment commandments, yeah. but there's a huge problem with it. Like in terms of national security and we'll, we'll wrap it up, but like in terms of national security, this whole like gutless, valueless um, society of like cups of yogurt people that they're trying to create is this is literally how they're going to take over America. If people don't realize and wake up and dig their heels in and start fighting back in every way they can, whether it's your own medical freedom, whether it's your psychological freedom, the the the, the freedom to speak, like shouldn't be afraid. You can talk about all the weird twisted things you want. And I can't mention my Jesus. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Yes. Like why is that one commercial of the Super Bowl such a big deal where you're talking about Jesus? How come right. it was such a big issue? Meanwhile, there's Decepticons running around on stage doing weird stuff, literally having satanic rituals and everybody's cool. Like if you were questioning right. God, now Satan is pretty obvious. Like every right. one of your pop stars is wearing bright red doing satanic rituals in front of you maybe there's something going on but the point is america is being lost in this they want you to be weak and confused yes. and so you guys are gonna have to work hard not to be that's right <laughs> awesome well this is so good thanks so much for your time landon it, it was amazing having a conversation with you today Likewise, Byron, you're, you have one more question. Keep them one coming. more question. How do you want to be remembered? <laughs> What's it all for at the end of the day? Oh, a kingdom warrior. I, that's, that's how I, a mother, a wife and a kingdom warrior. That is what I, I hope to be remembered by servant oh. of God. Yeah. Right there with you. Good stuff. Okay. So where can people find you? We'll put the links in the bio, but real quick, just so they hear where can people follow you? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Landon Starbuck is my handle. Um, and my nonprofit is freedomforever.us. Uh, mm-hmm. We are a volunteer run organization. That means I don't take a salary. Nobody does. We are volunteers. We're all experts in our areas and we come together and make incredible things happen to protect children. Everyone has a gift, something to contribute. So, you know, we invite everybody to get involved in that fight. Um, and that is where you can find us. Awesome. And follow her on Instagram. Links will be in bio. Um, Great information. Great person. Thank you so much. This was powerful. It was a good time. Thanks, Byron. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's an honor. Thank you. Yo, ladies and gents. Little cheat code. The latest and greatest. Don't hate us because you ain't are not us. Anyways, check it out. My C-A-M-C-K is a great tool to make any weapon that you have sitting in your safe into much more formidable tool, right? Multiple points of contact, throw a right on optic on the top. Uh, You got a little light there. You got thumb rests. You can adjust them to fit your. So if you haven't seen them, check out C-A-A-M-C-K. 
take those pistols you have in your safe to the next level. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.